0: Hello, everybody. You're listening to Startup Secrets for Entrepreneurs, and I am your host, Shelby Schlager. Our mission here is to help entrepreneurs make a difference and navigate the messy world of startup or relaunch. Join me today, where we dig deep with our guests to give you the best concepts and strategies to fast track your business. Today, our special guest is Richard Blank is with us. So, Richard, thank you so much for joining. Uh, to get started, I'd love to know a little bit about who you are and what you do.
1: First, Shelby, thank you so much for having me as your guest today. I'm so excited to share ideas with you and your audience. I'm the CEO of Costa Rica's call center. We celebrated our 14th year in business from a nearshore shore BPO company. I'm originally from Philadelphia. And at 27 years old, I threw my hat in the ring and took a risk and moved abroad and started my life here in Costa Rica. And here we are 22 years later.
0: So what was, that, what was that process like for you of deciding to make this transition and start a new life in a different country?
1: That's an excellent question, Shelby. Well, when you have a one in a million opportunity that crosses your path, A, you have to take it. But B, I didn't do it on a whim. My favorite class back in high school in Northeast Philadelphia was Spanish, and I doubled down in college. I was a Spanish communication major. So all the gra- uh, jobs I had postgraduate involved sales, marketing, and Spanish. And so literally, I was bilingual and prepared. And a good friend of mine asked for me to come down for just a couple months to teach English. Mm-hmm. And When I walked off the plane in Central America, Shelby, I wasn't going home. I was home. And so I worked with my friend for a bunch of years, learned the business from the inside of out. And once I realized how to increase empathy when it came to your staff and finding ways to enhance the experience, I once again, in my mid-30s, started my company. And as I say before, we've grown to 150 seats. And I find it amazing when there is bilingual agents that are getting a major return on investment from their education working in these bilingual call centers.
0: Mm -hmm. So what gave you the idea to start the call center? And what was that experience like going from where you, you know, starting it to where you are now?
1: Of course. Well, you kind of know your growth and I knew what I was worth per hour. And once I learned a business after four years of working with my friend, you you kind of master it, minus a C-level executive with contracts and finances. And so I started very slow. I started renting individual stations at a blended call center, and then I rented space and then eventually built my space. And so things like this take time. And so it wasn't really that much of a rush. The clients coming in were, but having the capital to build out with all the equipment and the furniture, that took a while. But I knew in my mid-30s, Shelby, that I had impulse control And I was mature enough to actually take on the responsibilities of contracts and job stability. And being a guest in this country, it was, once again, I've been so embraced that I was really focusing on feeding families and then what could happen from that.
0: Mm -hmm. Just having that good mission. So would you say, I always like to know people's why behind their business. So you kind of just touched on it, but can you further elaborate a bit of your why?
1: Of course, you've seen telemarketing in movies. You've seen the Wolf of Wall Street or Boiler Room or *Glengarry Glen Ross. And sure, there are a lot of places like that that sell stock and have that sort of intense environment. But I'm kind of there to break any sort of stereotypes of what a CEO could be mm-hmm. an owner of a company, even a telemarketer. And so for me, being a C-level executive, I'm really not looking to fire people. All I'm really looking to do is to delegate and promote. And since I am a guest in another country, once again, I took the time to learn their language learn the labor laws and do something where I can contribute Mm -hmm. in Costa Rica compared to just taking. And as I mentioned, I kind of fell into this call center industry. I really didn't know what it was like before. And once I saw the art of speech, because most people now are just chatting or texting, I really saw the beauty of rhetoric and converting calls with clients and getting positive escalations. And so for me, Shelby, I kind of gravitated towards that and I love writing and I love coaching and training. And Mm -hmm. so since it's a very stimulating environment, I've never been bored. And once again, I don't know how I was able to do this, but I was able to excel in this very competitive industry.
0: Mm -hmm. That's awesome. I feel like just having that authentic approach anyways, you're bound to be successful because you're coming from such a good place, right? Um, You mentioned just having empathy in these type of environments. Can we go back to that a little bit? Tell us why empathy or what you feel is empathetic and also why it is so important.
1: Shelby, I mean, not just call centers, but any sort of work or even in school environment. Sometimes people feel like a robot or a number or they feel expendable or they just don't feel, you know, they don't have any sort of acknowledgement. Mm-hmm. And so when I worked with the people, the thousands of agents all of those years, I got to hear the good and the bad. And so it was very easy for me to see what I could do to make the experience better. But there's a couple of things I do. I mean, first is I put fear in perspective. The fact that somebody learned a second language is 10 times harder than any sort of project I put them on. But here's the best part, Shelby. I I believe in a gamification environment. And so I'm an avid collector of pinball machines and retro arcade machines and jukeboxes. So through my empathetic ways, I've created a neutral environment for people to let off steam and recharge batteries and make friends. And so it's really just not an environment just to squeeze as much as I can out of somebody for... Eight hours a day, I'm really looking to recharge their batteries. Mm-hmm. So when they go home, they can confront any challenges they have, which may or may not affect the sort of work that they do here. And so it's really about knowing your name, giving you the dignity, and once again, encouraging you to just be better at your craft.
0: Mm-hmm. And it kind of makes me think about just being that leader. like you said, all year, you are collecting all this stuff. So you're kind of making that space for people to also feel comfortable and be themselves. And, you know, just sharing that level of like humanity with one another. So with having such a big business, how has it been for you? Is there been any obstacles that you've overcome since you've been scaling and growing it to such a level?
1: Yes, ma'am. The only challenge I have is natural attrition. Costa Rica is a very, very hot place for outsourcing. And so companies such as Amazon, HP, Intel, and Oracle are here. So I will lose people because of a scheduling conflict for their university. It might be closer to their home or a good friend or a boyfriend or girlfriend could be working at another center. And so for me, I mean, unfortunately, this generation sometimes doesn't give a two weeks notice or Mm -hmm. after working with someone for so many years, just kind of disappears And so I get disappointed more than I do angry. And so for me, as I say before, I I try to get somebody better when they come into the center. I will know their name and I'll work with them and and set an example, but you kind of have to meet in the middle on that. And so for my scalability, maybe I was naive. I thought that anybody that came in here would be with a gold watch and with me for 40 years, but uh, people experiment, people jump from job to job. But what I tried to do, because I'm very selective of the campaigns that come in here, I try not to at least compromise their ethics. And so if somebody chooses to work with me, once again, they can definitely go home and tell their parents what they do for a living.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. I like that. So what are some of the strategies, like when you just said about having campaigns, what are some of the things that you try to accomplish within your strategies, like with your campaigns?
1: Wonderful question. Well, I try to be very realistic with my clients just in regards to the metrics and their expectations, but in regards to onboarding somebody, it's very important to have all the resources so they're not fearful of the unknown. And since English is their second language, what I like to do is encourage growth of their vocabulary and structures. That's why I studied in college. So I emphasize the thesaurus for their similes. I will definitely coach them by listening to their phone calls through a quality control department. We can gauge them on certain KPIs and other things. But I'm really focusing on the soft skills. I just don't want them to go through the motions. I want them to give positive escalations if there happens to be a gatekeeper before a decision maker. Show a little more attentive and active listening for clarification so there's no repeating and stress. And just try to get a real fulfillment out of a job where in the United States and Canada, most people see it more as a transitional type of job. But call center jobs in Costa Rica pay more than most vocations. So it's incredible the sort of skill sets of the ages that we have here. So I take that sort of delicate career path that they have and really try to put as much momentum and wind into it as possible.
0: Mm-hmm. So just saying how you're trying to help them, what are some of the ways that you find really do make a difference? Like you almost said of keeping them more present in their call and making them more engaged. What are some of the techniques that you found really help?
1: Well, I before we even begin, what I like to do is when they fill out their resume, I ask them to flip the page over and to give me a coming of age moment, and then I have to explain what that means in English. And mm-hmm. once they understand it, they'll write me a story about when they beat up a bully or saved a kitten. And so what I try to do on a rainy Wednesday, or if they got off of a very difficult phone call or they're off balance a little bit, hey, I'll remind them of the time that they were vulnerable and became a champion. Mm-hmm. And then in addition to that, once again, since things are virtual now, and a lot of agents are working from home because of either labor laws or because of COVID, we try to open up more communication channels. We try to, when we are on Zoom calls, try to share things in the background just to be able to get to know one another a little bit better. But I have to say something. I mean, there's a huge difference from the art of speech, when there's synergy, when people are together and feeding off of that energy, there, there is an art form to that, you, you you can see it. And so we really need to adjust this new form of art that is virtual and that might lose some of the essence and the sort of, um, you know, as I mentioned, the magic that can happen when you are working side by side with somebody and, and becoming friends, people feel a little isolated. And I know that there's benefits in saving time with transportation and money and spending time with family. But Shelby, this is a very vocal environment and these are professional speakers. And so, as I mentioned before, it's almost like working out at home. You'll still get a workout, but not as well as if you work out with someone that really pushes you. And so we're just truly trying to overcome that sort of new challenges that we have in regards to our environment instead of brick and mortar, which are now virtual and people working from home.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, it has been a big obstacle. I think a lot of places have felt, and I'm sure with your business, definitely felt that transition of the digital world and, you know, just changing that. So has, as far as, you know, like you run a pretty big operation. So has your culture shifted at all with making these adjustments?
1: It has, uh, but for the, for the better, Mm -hmm. The adjustment in regards to, let's just say, the agent's uh, stability at home for internet redundancy, electricity, and immediate IT support, those are the sort of disruptions we may have, very rare. But, uh, you know, as I mentioned before, the culture before where people would go out to eat together, or they would spend their breaks and lunches together, that once again got eliminated. So the friendships and camaraderies that were made prior to COVID are still there.
0: Mm-hmm. But the
1: new groups that we bring in, unless you're doing these group chats or having them come in once a month for a pizza party, it's, it's very difficult for people to really get to engage with the other agents from that department. But for me, at least my benefit is just taking the extra time to let them know I've listened to phone calls and that I've graded them and letting them know what they're doing well so, you know, at least I can give them that sort of positive reinforcement, but no, my friend, the, the, inju- the adjustments really are, are more personal. I mean, people need to uh, take better care of themselves. I've seen uh, a lot of people once again, lose routine and it's very important to go to the gym. And even if the gym is closed, still work out at home, still being able to cook well for yourself. So you're not going out to eat fast food every day. And these are the sort of things I'm not critiquing but I've seen people save a lot of money, have better diets and do much better performance when they do have a certain structure and discipline. And when they're not around people, sometimes it's uh, difficult to keep those sort of habits.
0: Mm-hmm, exactly. And it all, I always feel like it all starts with ourselves. So if we're able to take care of ourselves, and we're able to take care of our work and our business and, you know, show up as our, our best self so we can do our best work. So That's one of, yeah. Right. It, it just all makes sense. And I really like that you're you know bringing that awareness to something that maybe people would kind of overlook as far as the type of field you're in right Mm -hmm. People wouldn't think that it's that important yeah okay I thought you were gonna say something um so the one thing I'd like to talk about is you just mentioned some of your management strategies one in particular the interpersonal communication conflict management strategy can you explain a little bit about that
1: Absolutely. Uh, We can talk about it where people are on the phone and internally. Let's talk about when someone's making a phone call. I believe that there is a type of diplomatic and strategic vocabulary. I was mentioning the thesaurus earlier. So for an example, instead of using the word help on the phone, I'd have my agents use assist guide or lend a hand. And also instead of asking someone to repeat because of a bad cell connection or a dog or a child in the background, it's really more for, our clarification. There are certain swords we can fall on that won't kill the call or even kill the tone of the call, but it allows us once again to let the client feel more relaxed so they're not feeling pressure and repeating themselves. Uh, That's number one. And then number two, I also believe, as I mentioned earlier, about positive escalations. A lot of the times when people feel pressure about prospecting or receiving calls for a company, Once again, they just go through the motions. I believe that in an individual that assists a decision maker or works at a company is so valuable. And so by getting their names and mentioning them in a verbal and written way can assist you in gaining a contract, gaining the confidence, or if you happen to have to call this company back, they will remember you and they will thank you once again for that sort of compliment. So it's a very good way to build a very solid pipeline. It might be two or three contacts, With a company or with a client before a close and so these are just the sort of soft skills that we do over the phone in regards to repeating things in military alphabet for an example once again it's just a superior form of communication to be able to make it more clear and enjoyable for the for the client but internally as i mentioned before this is a job that may seem monotonous at times you're focused 160 hours a week in a controlled environment, making and receiving phone calls. And so we do believe that somebody might need a timeout every now and again to put some water on their face to reset themselves, to possibly listen to a phone call. So instead of you and I shall be critiquing them or making suggestions, they would hear themselves. Yeah. And then they would come to me saying, Richard, I was going too fast. I interrupted. I forgot to ask this question. That's the best way of training you can get any sort of self-reflection for self-judgment and self-improvement is the smartest way to go. And so they know better and the agents sometimes know when they're out of character. And I mentioned earlier, Shelby, there's a lot of responsibilities that these young men and women have. It's, we're in a multi-generational society. And so these agents may be supporting their parents and grandparents. Yeah. And so for me, it's extremely important To ensure that they have that sort of job stability, because if they don't, that's when the stress comes, that's when the conflict comes, that's when people are thinking about leaving a company. And -hmm. so there's a lot of preventions that you can do prior to, you know, curing a problem. And so we really try to nip it in the bud, allow them to speak in their native tongue just to get it out. And if I need to have any sort of additional clarification, because it's not my native tongue. I will bring in a floor manager to not translate for me, just to be an arbitrator, just to make sure that it doesn't escalate and somebody isn't having the worst day of their life and make it worse by quitting or saying something. Mm. As I say, this is a, a labor force and these individuals are working very, very hard to not only grow their career, but to support a family. And so for me, as I mentioned before, the best thing that you and I can do is to give them as much experience as possible To believe in right bus, right seat, just in case they're amazing, but they might be even better on another campaign. Mm -hmm. And just to keep an open mind and active listening because they might share an idea with you that you and I have never thought about before that can make their job that much more productive.
0: Mm -hmm. I like that a lot and just allowing them the best chance to succeed. And I like what you said just about if you're putting too much pressure on them or something or something's not going right I could see how that is a negative effect where if you just kind of allow them to like, okay, let's, you know, brainstorm some better alternatives, better options, instead of all the pressure, because usually we can't perform that well under pressure and actually give the best results. So I really appreciate you saying that. Um, so just in, in regard with these calls and how to make them the most successful, are there any key components, like for anyone listening that let's say they do a lot of sales calling and all they're on the phone all the time with, with you know, trying to connect with potential clients. Is there any tips that you have for those type of people to get them more, more comfortable on these sales calls?
1: Absolutely. And once again, we're looking to bend them, not to break them, because if they're not competitive, they can't compete. Mm-hmm. I believe in due diligence. And I know that LinkedIn profiles and company websites, they give you a plethora of information that can crack a cold and get attention. If somebody happens to write or call me and mention my pinball machines, I'm definitely going to give them my attention. Mm-hmm.
0: And so if you're
1: writing an email, leaving a voicemail, or you want to build some rapport, My suggestion is to take an extra 30 seconds and just read about this company. You might compliment a promotion, an anniversary, a third location. And if you feel like you're doing an overkill and calling them too much, then you should time it in regards to those special events. I believe that people sometimes use names too much. I think a a five to one name to pronoun drop could be appropriate. So you could keep saying your. And R just to keep your attention and then say, makes sense, right, Shelby, for the, yeah. for the tie down question name drop. And so I, I think once again, they should stop being so commercialized and people need to be a little bit more natural, more like a painting where mm-hmm. their essence can come out. They yeah. can show active listening. I'll give you a fun example. Like, you know how we're calling people songs. You might hear a dog in the background. And I always believe that there's a me too technique. You should let them know how much you love dogs because the dog is barking. And mm-hmm. then you do the follow-up question on what's the dog's name. And they're going to say Fluffy. So you say how great Fluffy is. And obviously you get the hint that it's very loud and you put it outside. But Shelby, when you come back to the call, that's usually when we anchor. It's mm-hmm. usually instead of reselling you or trying to close you, we're going to talk about your beautiful dog for a couple minutes. You might even ask me once again, what my name is. And I'll say, that's an excellent question, Shelby. So glad you brought that up. My name is Richard Blank. And then you name dropped me. And so using the manners that were taught to us by our parents and grandparents and showing really engaged, active listening and being someone's biggest fan, it really shouldn't be a forceful type of call. It should be more like a woo-way where there's mm-hmm. zero resistance and you're kind of just flowing with them. And don't be surprised if you don't get referrals out of that and you do client retention so they don't leave the company, you might be able to upsell somebody by having that sort of rapport. And Shelby, how about worst case scenario? Let's just say hypothetically we're going to lose an account or not get an account. If the client is kind enough to give us that exit interview and explain to us areas of improvement or what our competition did in order to earn their business, then at least you're getting something out of that phone call. So I think there should be something that is done on every call, either you, you, you pitch well in the introduction and you did a positive escalation and you got excited or you go the full 15 rounds, you did your entire pitch and you got some positive or even negative feedback from that that can assist you. And so it's really about an investment in a process. Mm-hmm. And as long as you're constantly learning, you're only going to keep getting better
0: hmm. That's so true. And it really just makes it feel like there is no such thing as failure in that case, because you're always going to be coming back with something or walking away with a little bit more knowledge in some sort of way. And I could see that really relieving the pressure of the people that are trying to make these calls you know, to hold their job and to, you know, all the stress that you mentioned that they have, it's a lot on the line for them. So going to like, let's say, does that change at all? If you're, let's say, doing the sales call versus the customer support aspect when you have the clients and now you're trying to, you know, support them in any sort of issues that they're facing?
1: Wonderful question. I, let's imagine you and I jumping clouds. We never come down. So even if I'm making a prospecting call and someone says, we're not interested, I'm going to go, Shelby, thank you so much for your time on the phone today. Click. I get hung up on, but at least it's like the Titanic. I'm going down, you know, with a smile on my face. (laughs) And if customer support happens where somebody is just angry, possibly cursing or losing their mind, once again, you're not making fun of them. But you would be trying to readjust the tone constantly, letting you know you understand their position. Thank you very much for sharing this. It's unacceptable. Let me see what I can do. As I mentioned before, it's jumping clouds. Even if the call ends in a result that you're not wanting to, at least you're being polite by thanking them for their time, repeating information. You even said earlier about getting something from the call. So as I say, it's not personal unless you really dropped the ball, which you probably didn't. You are just there in the middle, just trying to solve something. But if you can keep that positive mindset, know that your intentions are honorable and you're doing things with good faith, you don't have a heavy heart. And as I say, you can look at yourself at the end of the day and just realize you played your percentages very well. And your main goal is to turn somebody around from a negative to a positive. And a lot of the times it's just venting. And especially with these chats and email supports, people feel like they're not speaking with anybody. So when they finally get somebody on the phone, it's very elevated and they're coming guns a blazing. Mm-hmm. So as long as you can take a couple hits and, and reduce it a little bit and understand where they're coming from. You should easily be able to separate the piles, make them a little smaller and be able to work with them. And as I mentioned before, just don't give up so easily. Just don't say, oh, I'm sorry and hang up. There's always a way once again to turn that around. And the one thing is just by, as I mentioned, showing empathy and some sincerity. That's all people want is to vent and then solve. And if you can do it in that order, you're going to be exceptionally successful.
0: Mhm. That does make a lot of sense and I do feel a lot of people really just need that outlet. They need someone to listen, they need that ear and then once they actually say it all, they're like, "Oh, I guess it really isn't that big of a deal." They're like, "Now that I say it out loud, you know, they get it out and I think that applies just as a human behavior aspect. It's like you get it out of your head, it becomes a lot smaller and easier of a problem to really handle and digest. So I guess like you said, you have to be able to handle that and, you know, come up with that solution. So I really enjoy, enjoy your perspective with that. So if anyone is listening, they want to follow you, maybe learn some more wisdom from you and, you know, maybe get you to get them get you to teach them some of your sale tactics, where can they find you?
1: Well, they can buy a plane ticket and come fly to Costa Rica. Okay. <laughs> right on. But uh, you can always give me a call. triple eight two seven one six seven five zero, or send me an email at CEO com. And once this goes live, shall be, I'm going to be putting you on my Facebook fan page. We have about 98,000 local Costa Rican Ticos. And they're going to love to meet you. Perfect. And they like people from Canada. So you're going to get a lot of points. And... Um, <laughs> No, but I, I appreciate the work that you do. We spoke prior to going live. And yes, I, I have watched a lot of your shows and you feel like someone's best friend or big sister giving you good advice to keep you out of trouble and to get you good grades. And yeah. um, But it inspired me enough to write you because you're very yeah. sincere. And I know that what you're doing is really giving. Yeah. It's not egocentric. You, you are really here to yeah. assist as many, many people as possible. And I don't think your audience realizes the amount of work that you put into this. I got so many reminder emails, so many excited, so many notes mm-hmm. and you really take this seriously. So hats off to you, my friend. Okay. I think you're doing a wonderful job.
0: Thank you so much. I'll have to share it with the boss, man.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, you just done. got a positive verbal escalation. I'll let him know.
0: <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. Awesome. Thank you so much today and for sharing some of your wisdom with us and your story. It's been great.
1: Thank you so much, Shelby. I had a great time. <laughs>